Well, Andrew, that's the end of Simpsons Month. What a recording. Uh, Satsu, did you hit the record button? Dope! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Simpsons Month. My name's Satsunami, and joining me for our worst episode... Worst episode so far. ...is none other than the one and only Andrew. Andrew, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Looking forward to discussing one of the big events in the Simpsons universe. Yeah, one of the sparing events of the Simpsons universe. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves there, but yeah, today we're going to be talking about something that was hyped to heckin' back, because let's face it, how long... Has had it been before this film came out that people were clamoring for a Simpsons film? Yeah, I mean, I was so young at the time that I can't really attest to that too much, but I do know retroactively that there was a lot of interest in a Simpsons movie and it had been a lot of discussion for so many years. But a Simpsons movie, there was lots of plots discussed about what could be done in the Simpsons movie. I was going to say, don't drop it in. <laughs> you youngin. Yeah, it's true though. There was a lot of talk about The Simpsons going on the big screen and everything, and when we were growing up, The Simpsons, as it's safe to say, was still at the height of the popularity, even though they had the struggling seasons. I don't know that it was necessarily at the height of its popularity. I certainly was still watching Simpsons from week to week at that point. I was really excited for this movie. I remember the anticipation and like going to see it pretty much opening weekend. There was a lot of hype leading up to this. And the episodes that were coming up around that were, they were very interesting. We were in between seasons 18 and 19. And so there'd been some interesting episodes that had come out in season 18 that were getting you in the mood to then watch this movie. I actually remember going to the cinema at the time and seeing a lot of the trailers and the teasers for this film. But the weird thing was, and I don't know if you remember this, but there wasn't really much information about this film coming out. Like, there was rumours and there was, oh, this might happen, that might happen, but do you actually remember seeing a full-length trailer and being like, oh, I know everything about this film? No, and that, to be honest, is a, I think it's quite a good thing. I'm always of the mind that going into a movie without knowing every detail of the plot is better. I mean, it's not not particularly a hot take but yeah I, th- I think that's commendable if something looks amusing or draws you in to watch it without telling you every detail that you need to know before going in then I think that it's it's succeeded no I totally agree with you I do think that it is amazing that they managed to pull it off especially for a film and of course a series as big as The Simpsons especially in 2007 when this film came out but there was a lot of teasers you know I think they did a Superman parody because Superman Returns I think it was you know the really bad one with Kevin Spacey's Luther yeah yeah that was coming out so they had like a teaser trailer with Homer and the Superman t-shirt they had the Spider-Man tie-in because in 2007 I'm pretty sure that's when Spider-Man 3 came out so they had Spider-Pig so there was a lot of tie-ins to other films but there wasn't really any information coming out and I'll tell you how hyped I was personally and I don't know if I've ever ever told you this Andrew but when I was in high school for our computing class one of the tasks we had to do was create a newsletter so we had to format it and everything and the teacher kind of shrugged and said well you can make it about anything you know if you want to make it about the latest games or like a film or something go ahead so I asked my teacher I said can I do it on the Simpsons and she kind of shrugged and I don't think she cared to be honest she was like look get it done I don't care but I ended up doing it on the Simpsons and 
and don't get me wrong, that was a really fun class that time, but one of the article bits I did was gathering information for the Simpsons film, and I always remember how difficult it was trying to go onto 2007's internet <laughs> and try and get a plot synopsis and everything, and all I knew was that Homer does something to wreck the town and they have to flee, and that was really it. So, yeah, it was very sparring, but there was a lot of build-up, there was a lot of hype, and even despite some of the ill will that was starting to build up throughout this particular period of The Simpsons, it is safe to say, though, that everybody was excited for this film. Yeah, I think there was certainly a universal excitement for the movie. I know that people had started to see a downturn in the quality of episodes, or rather that they had, in their own personal opinion, they no longer cared for The Simpsons as much. But this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity of seeing The Simpsons as a movie, I think, did interest even those who kind of lost interest in the series. And I've got to ask before we dive into the main discussion of this episode, did you go see this in the cinema? I did. As I said earlier, I, uh, I'm i pretty sure I went opening weekend to go see this in the cinema. I can't actually remember. I went to see it and then I got annoyed at the very beginning because I thought a child was humming along to the 20th Century Fox theme. <laughs> and then I realised it was Ralph Wiggum on the screen. Yeah. I was like, oh, never mind. Yeah, I loved that. I thought that was such a fun idea. I like when studios sort of play with their little studio logo being a little bit different. I actually saw a tweet about this recently about like how different studios have a bit of fun with that. Like Warner Brothers often has a little bit of fun with changing the style of the, the Warner Brothers logo at the beginning of a film depending on the film that's about to show. See, without any further ado, will we just jump into why we think this is I was about to joke and say the Citizen Kane of the Simpsons, but will we just dive into it? Yeah, let's jump into it. As always we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome to Shatsana a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Chatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. I'm Dan, I'm Lou, and together we are Casting Views. An uncle and nephew chatting on random topics, some heavy, some fun, but we aim to amuse. Don't miss out, don't delay. Subscribe to Casting Views today. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and good pods. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low quality, one-track audio waves. (laughs) 
but with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So before we dive into talking about what this film is about, let's face it, this film came out in 2007 and we are definitely going to be going into spoilers, so this is just spoiler warning for a 2007 film. But before we talk about the plot and really what makes this film so great, we'll we talk about the development of this film. Because as we said, it is quite interesting that before this particular film, there wasn't really any film that had come out, not even like an attempt at like a long form episode of the show and by this point The Simpsons was on season 18. We had had the two part episodes of Who Shot Mr. Burns which many had kind of felt should have been the movie and would have been a more interesting movie like if they'd extended that out and made that into a movie it would have made more sense because it was a bridging episode between season 6 and 7. That was the height of Simpson interest I think like that was their golden years of episodes so like if between season 6 and 7 they'd released that as a movie that would have been better than what we ultimately got we'll discuss in this episode more our thoughts on the movie but i do think that that would have been superior to what we eventually did get with the 2007 version there was a thought process behind making a movie before that they wanted to make the episode in season four camp crusty into a film but thought that trying to expand that 25 minute episode into a feature-length movie would have been too difficult so they didn't really want to go much further with that they thought about making anthology stories but like Treehouse of Horror. They thought about doing almost a Fantasia-esque movie called Simpstasia. And uh, I know that prior to his unfortunate death in uh, 1998, Phil Hartman, who voices, you may have heard him in as such characters as Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz. Before his passing, he wanted to do a live action movie based on the character of Troy McClure. And then I know in the early 2000s, the cast had signed on to do a movie. Like it'd been greenlit. They were like, okay, well, let's do this. And then Jennifer, who was, I think we were in Groaning, Groaning and Brooks, who were uh, sort of produced and created the show, their feeling at the time was that if they put effort into a movie at that point, less effort would be going into the show and the show's quality would deteriorate and they didn't want that. Boy, I bet their faces were red. <laughs> <laughs> And so their kind of impression was that they should just focus on their bread and butter of the show instead of trying to do this more experimental movie version of this universe. It is interesting though that for such an iconic franchise they took so long from 1989 all the way to 2007 to actually create a film. I mean for God's sake the Digimon film got a film before them and that was like three films in one. Come on they're both owned by Fox. I actually wouldn't put it past Fox if they just put two episodes together and went, yeah, that's a Simpsons film. But yeah, it's fascinating to see how long this film was in development. You know, the ideas that they kind of threw together and God, it, it does sound like an American sitcom, doesn't it? It's like a will they, won't they? <laughs> will they make the film? Won't they make the film? And then, of course, they eventually did, where we got a very strange mix of religious and environmental messaging in this film. But before we deep dive into that, 
do you want to give a quick synopsis into what this film's actually about? Yeah, for sure. So the Simpsons movie essentially takes place somewhat in Springfield, where an environmental disaster has occurred as a result of the citizens of Springfield polluting their lake. And as a result of that, the government cordons the town off, uh, fear that their stupidity and pollution would spread. And so the Simpsons managed to escape because it is Homer's fault that this ultimately happens. And then they kind of learn that the plan from the government is to destroy Springfield. And so they have to come back to Springfield, save the day and rescue the town. During that, they have all kinds of family fallouts and you get a lot of emotional moments and comedic moments with a somewhat satisfactory ending with the Simpsons winning at the end of the day. Did I cover everything? (laughs) (laughs) No, I thought you did a fantastic job of summarizing it there. But I've got to ask you though, see the first time you watched this film, what were your initial impressions? Did you think this was a return to form for The Simpsons? Or did you watch it and think, huh, that was a thing? As I've said in other episodes, at this time on first airing, I didn't see much difference between what I was watching on TV in the early 2000s from the older episodes that are considered kind of the golden age of The Simpsons. I had no issue with what I was watching on TV and tuned in every Sunday to watch new episodes. And so this just seemed like more of that and I liked it. There were parts 12-year-old or rather 11-year-old me raised my eyebrow about, but ultimately I enjoyed it. It wasn't really a case of return to form. It wasn't really a case of this is meh kind of thing. I think I just, I enjoyed the movie at the time and there was the whole controversy over the very early stage of the movie. Bart very briefly showing his penis. His ding-a-ling, please. His ding-a-ling, yeah. This film is over. (laughs) (laughs) Bart very briefly showing his ding-a-ling and that was the big talking point. Like, oh my God, they showed a penis in a children's animated movie and I remember going back to my brother being like, oh my God, oh my God, it was like on screen for like forever. And my brother was like, it was on screen for about half a second. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I felt the same way where you did see it and you were like, oh my God, could they get away with that? That went on for ages and you're right, it goes on for like one second or two and that's it. And you're like, huh. Yeah, it is probably one Mississippi at most. Yeah, I I would say that's probably the most controversial part of it. I mean, other than killing Green Day at the very beginning, but, you know. (laughs) Well, I mean, some of the other controversies that kind of surround it, I would say, is just sort of maybe ruining continuity, which The Simpsons have never been shy of doing. They quite frequently uh, ruin their own continuity with regards to Marge and Homer's wedding. That, I remember bothering me at the time, because I knew that that wasn't what Marge and Homer's wedding was like. There's a scene the movie in which Marge tapes over their wedding video to make a point about how their marriage is over. And you see a clip of the wedding. From early Simpsons episodes, we know that they had a bit of a quick shotgun wedding and didn't really have that kind of romantic videotaped wedding like that. And so it it felt very out of place. I don't know. I do agree with you. I'm very defensive when it comes to certain parts of the lore. Like when it comes to how Homer and Marge met their kind of story. And I think the reason behind that is probably because it's something that's kind of held in high reverence that's important for their characterization. That's why I hate, and this is slightly off topic, but that's why I hate the episode Sadgasm, the one where they say, oh, Homer and Marge met in the 90s, and I know why they did that. Oh, is that the one where Homer becomes like a rock star? Yeah, pretty much. There's only one line in that that did make me laugh, but other than that, the whole thing just really irritates me. But for that particular 
particular scene. And again, this is something that we were talking about in the last two previous episodes about what made The Simpsons so great or maybe not so great was that idea of an emotional core. And after watching the early to mid-teen seasons, there was a lot more episodes where they just happened. And I was like, okay, this isn't as emotional. I don't know if I'm really into this. But I was surprised at how gut-punched I felt. And I know I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but the fact that they had this very poignant scene, which don't get me wrong, gets ruined a couple of scenes later, but the fact they had this poignant scene of Marge at the beginning, as you said, the town turned against the Simpsons, and there's another controversial scene where they imply that they're going to hang Maggie, which I thought, even for the Simpsons, hanging the baby's a bit dark. <laughs> it's not really... A little bit. I quite liked how they were joking about it with the pacifier on it, though. I thought that was kind of funny. And after that, when they're running away, Marge grabs the tape, and you can see how important it is to her. Our family's important to her, our memories are important to her. And then when Homer betrays their trust by being selfish, ruining the town, ruining their lives, and then when Marge needs Homer there, you know, he just abandons her, like, no, screw them, which I know he has a bit of a point because he tried to kill them, and after that, I'll probably be in the same boat, but I do absolutely love that scene. I do think that is probably the best scene in the entire film, purely because it is just such a emotional moment where there's quite a, and this is something I didn't notice until I was researching this, but there's a really neat touch, in fact, two neat touches. The first being that apparently they asked the voice actress for Marge, Julie Kavner, to do that scene several times over until she sounded tired and run down, and that's why she sounds so just despondent, which I thought was brilliant. But the other one was, see when Marge drops the bombshell and says, and to show you how serious I am, I taped over her wedding tape. You can see Homer's face in the reflection when it cuts out, and then it goes to their wedding, and then they play the very iconic Carpenter song, Close to You. It's just such a beautiful moment, because that's also a callback, I'm pretty sure, to them having that song together. And, you know, it just, it felt like old Simpsons again. See for that brief bubble moment, because there's a lot of silliness in this film. Some bits land, other bits don't, but I feel as if for that particular scene, that is the only one that I would say is the perfect moment in a sea of otherwise maybe silliness. You expect the Simpsons to be silly, but would you say that there is too much silliness even for the Simpsons in this film? I do think so. I think they try a bit too hard in some scenes and they're kind of hitting on the like family guyness of the Simpsons, which is a big issue at the time. One kind of comes to mind is when Homer's all depressed and he's at the bar and he's playing Grand Theft Walrus. What is that joke? It's just a penguin dances and then as a walrus in a car you shoot the penguin. Yeah, I think that was a reference to when Happy Feet had come out and GTA 4 came out in 2008, I think. So, you know, a year after, but it was still the run-up to the game getting advertised, so... But, like, it's still not really a joke. And, like, are they writing backwards from Happy Feet, from the dancing penguin that then gets shot? What was the thought process behind that joke? It seemed so out of place. Although, imagine the comments we're going to get from, like, a Simpsons movie lore aficionado. (laughs) 
it's going to be like, you don't understand. It's a cultural critique of cinema. For legal reasons, that's a joke. There does seem to be a lot of weird, out-of-place moments. Do you want to know what my pet peeve moment is? What's that? Colin. Do you remember Colin? Yeah, the little Irish boy. For no reason. He appears at the beginning, he appears during the mob scene, and then he appears at the end. It's to give Lisa something to do in the movie, because she has nothing else to do in this movie. They're so lazy with the character of Lisa... I think particularly around this time period that they just don't develop her enough and the movie just does next to nothing with her. It's so highly focused on Bart, Homer and Marge that Lisa is such a push to the side character. And then Maggie is, as is often the case, is kind of just an afterthought. But I mean, she's a baby, so. I mean, even she has funny moments. I'm just thinking of seeing the scene where they're in the motel and they all look at Homer when he sneaks back in and Maggie's in the drawer and she just rises up and glares at him. Oh yeah, and the bottle smashing as well when she fights off Mr. Teeny. That was quite funny, but you're right, Lisa doesn't really have much to do in this one. I was listening to someone else talk about this film, and they said it would have been an interesting idea if they developed the relationship between Lisa and Milhouse, and I know that they don't usually get on, but it would have been more interesting because they're both pre-established characters, you know, and they've both got that connection. Milhouse is the character, they're determined to be like, he is a dweeb who obsesses over her, and you should not settle for that. And Lisa is better than Milhouse. So yeah, let's throw in the pitch-perfect Colin, who is an environmentalist and a musician and only appears for three scenes. I don't get Colin. I'm sorry, I just genuinely... He doesn't really offend me. I quite like the he's not Bono. He's not Bono, yeah, I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. The whole plot of it is outlandish, obviously. It's like a huge dome over Springfield. I don't mind that so much, and the whole idea of destroying Springfield, it had been an idea for like such a long, long time. They initially, the idea was that Steven Spielberg, voiced by himself, would destroy the town as part of like a movie that he wanted to make with Tom Hanks. And then they had the idea that Hank Scorpio would return to be the antagonist, but that didn't end up happening. I wish they'd stuck to an existing character as the villain, like a Mr. Burns, a Hank Scorpio, a Sideshow Bob. These would be much more interesting than like fake government agent. That's very strange that that's the route they took for this. There were a few things that kind of bothered me in the in the movie, scene from scene. I wasn't really a fan of the shaman lady and like her use. Yeah, I hate that. I'm, I'm just going to hop in quickly and agree with you. I feel as if it wasn't that funny when I first watched it, but upon re-watching it and showing it to my partner for the first time, that just derailed the entire film for me. It didn't seem particularly culturally sensitive. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> it did teach me the word epiphany at 11 years old. I never heard of that word prior to watching the movie. So that was something it, it, it gave me. But then the whole thing, her like big swinging boobs directing him. And then that whole scene, yeah, it, you're right. It slowed down the movie. And I do remember at the time watching it and feeling like the movie had kind of gone to like a bit of a, a weird place at that point. So I wasn't particularly thrilled by that. And the other thing that often irks me as well is the very end when Maggie knocks the antagonist, Russ Cargill, over the head. Where did she come from? I don't like this use of Maggie as like a deus ex machina. The whole joke with her and Mr. Burns was it was just an accident. And then they had her becoming some almost like a super assassin type character. Like there was that one episode where the mob is after Homer and she shoots them from the bedroom and then like hides a gun under her bed. That became a flanderization, didn't it? That she became this ruthless, as you said, assassin 
baby. Do you think it was a Stewie Griffin type thing? Do you think that's why? Now that is an interesting point. Maybe. I mean, obviously she's not characterised as being evil, but as the seasons got on further, there is definitely that shift between her acting like a baby and this whole moulding her identity over her shooting Mr Burns. Because you're right, there's a, and I can't remember what episode or season it is, but there is literally a scene where Smithers bursts into the room of the Simpsons home and is like, oh no, Maggie shot Mr. Burns again. And it's supposed to be like this throwaway line and you're just like, is that her identity now? That she is just a gun-toting baby? They had set her up as being adventurous like outgoing as like a joke of her age like I remember there was that episode where Marge is in Streetcar Named Desire I think it's a Streetcar Named Marge maybe the episode title and she's put into like baby daycare and it's kind of like a parody of The Great Escape and so that she does a whole almost like a chicken run style which also is a parody of The Great Escape she tries to get her pacifier back and does all these crazy little plots to do that and so you do have to kind of understand that that's where they've been going with her before but hiding like an actual gun under her bed and appearing presumably out of nowhere by the Springfield Gorge to then whack or like push a rock over Russ Cargill. That just didn't seem right. That didn't play for me. Speaking of rushed parts of this film, one of the other bits that does annoy me is, and this is one of the positive points that I have about this film as well, I do love a lot of the themes that they try to explore in this film. And I know obviously there's the religious themes, there's the environmental themes, there's the most prominent ones but in between that you've got the theme of family you've got the theme of a fractured family that is falling apart because of the selfishness of one member the fact is that because of that fracture Bart is seeing Flanders of all people as this ideal father figure there's even this particular scene where they go fishing and I do laugh at that scene every time when it gets the bug zapper and he puts it in the lake and it kills all the fish I always laugh at that and you know Bart chokes himself before he realises that Flanders isn't going to do that and you know that is an interesting dynamic and everything but at the very end it seems like the conflict is very rushed they just say oh Bart you can hold the bomb and then I I know that would be a Bart Simpson thing to do he'd be like oh the man knows me and he grabs the bomb and you know they ride up it is something that Bart would do but see at the same time you're kind of like well I, I don't know I feel as if they built it up really well. He does give a bit of a speech to him prior to that, but you do kind of feel like it's almost like an abusive partner trying to win you back, but like, this time it'll be different. Bart would be better off with the Flanders. Homer is just always going to be a jerk ass. I mean, especially at this period of time in the Simpsons lore. But again, like, I know they have to get the film moving along, but one of the other nitpick moments I have to admit I have is the fact that they didn't use Rainier Wolfcastle as the president. Yes, I agree with that. That they decided to make it Arnold Schwarzenegger when Rainier Wolfcastle was a parody of Arnold Schwarzenegger and they essentially just did the same voice which I think is a Harry Shearer I think so yeah they used to do the same voice the character design is pretty much the same I think they just changed the hair I think is the only thing that's really different and then they maybe give him a few wrinkles and they try and get away with this joke about Arnold Schwarzenegger being the president because at, at the time he was governor of California but I mean not to push my glasses too far up my nose but Arnold Schwarzenegger born in Austria could not be the president of the United States because he was not born in the United States he can be a governor but not the president well, never say never. <laughs> 
apparently. <laughs> the Simpsons universe is into a universe of its own, I guess. It doesn't have to follow the laws of US politics. I mean, considering this film kicks off because of a massive silo of pig crap, I feel as if we could let that go by. <laughs> it's not the only silo of pig crap in this movie. But yeah, apparently the reason behind that was that George W. Bush was the president at the time, and they felt as if if they used him, then the film would be dated. But then they were kind of hoping that Arnie would be a bit more popular by the time the film came out. Instead of an adulterous piece of shit. Yeah, I don't know whether that coincides with that scandal. I'm assuming it does, because my god, it has been a while. I think it was around that time, yeah. Yeah, so they were like, let's just hope it blows over. So it would have made more sense for Rainier Wolfcastle to come in, but again, it's like it's not a major thing that I'm going to say, oh, I hate the film because of it, but that is definitely one of the things I think they could have probably done to briefly improve it. I guess they wanted to try and make it a bit more accessible in that those who didn't remember Rainier Wolfcastle's character would just be able to understand just straight up making it Arnold Schwarzenegger instead. And for someone who wasn't like an avid Simpsons watcher that was just kind of watching this movie, they'd be like, oh, that's funny. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the president. Damn normies coming into the Simpsons movie. <laughs> Let's just start gatekeeping the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to like it until you watch all 34 seasons. Or if you're watching it in the future, all 100 seasons. Yeah, we can't date this episode. Yeah, of course not. When they unearth this in the time capsule. But going on to the positives though, is there anything you would say that this film does excel at or does better than the average episode? There were some bits for sure that I enjoyed and they worked well at the subversion of humour as well. The whipping sled dogs and like whipping them, yelling rest while still whipping them was very funny. Followed by when he was being mauled saying, ah, that's my whipping arm. That is objectively very funny. And and I liked when Homer was in the motorcycle cage at the fairground and he kept going up and then falling, going up and falling and going up and then falling. And the guy at the thing says, because I like seeing you hurt yourself, I'll give you one more try. That also gave me a bit of a chuckle. There were lots of other smaller moments throughout it that gave me a bit of a chuckle like the government listening to your every conversation Nelson firing a red arrow so he'd know which one was his just a lot of stuff to do with what was going on inside the dome and like people in the church running to the bar and people in the bar running to the church these are some good visual gags that they squeezed in yeah and there's another good point where Homer tries to get into the dome dresses up as a officer hands over to like a someone who's supposed to be like a just general soldier outside to release the town but it's written on a leaf and so he punches the guy uh, another bit around similar time where he tries to stop the van that's taking his family back into the town but he has all these misspelt signs like sop yelled and one ve it keeps working on the guards which is quite funny and then the last one is the use of the subverted humor of when he sees a jetpack which could get him up the dome much easier and instead he gets the super glue and tries that which is then kind of ruined by the grabbing his crotch scene which i didn't find was in great taste this is a sophisticated film <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I get that, but I, no, I do I think know. I do think that it, it was kind of a cheaper joke that I didn't think was necessary. What are your thoughts on those and other positives from the movie? Yeah, I would agree with all of them. I do think that there is a lot of very memorable moments and very memorable iconography. If we take away Bart's skating nude for a second there, because that's obviously done for shock value, because you've also got the scene where, for the first time, Homer gives the middle finger. Well, I say middle finger 
finger. You only have four, so I guess it's like just the second from left finger or whatever it is. Yeah, because that's what I keep thinking. I'm like, how do you know? What if that's your pointing finger? That's an episode for another day. But yeah, I mean, there's all the moments there. There's a lot of quotability in this film. As much as I hate Spider-Pig, or not hate, but dislike it a lot, because I felt as if it was used so much in the advertising and the marketing. As I said before, I didn't know much about the plot, but I sure as hell knew about Spider-Pig, and I was like, oh, this is tedious. Again, going back to just adding on to what you were saying, I did like the fact that when the film wanted to have like a genuine, sincere moment, it took its time to do that, you know, with the relationship between Bart and Flanders, or with Homer and Marge, or with Lisa and the fact that she'll never be relevant in this film. You know, they really took their time to let these particular relationships breathe. There were a couple of awkward moments. Again, going back to when Barr skates nude and then for some reason they handcuff him naked outside a Krusty Burger and then Nelson laughs at him and then all these other people are laughing at a naked child and you're like, really? You know, it's like one of those things you don't really think about when you watch the film and then when you look back on it, you're like, okay, this is a bit strange. The other bit, of course, is when Marge and Homer snuggle, to use their words. And I do think it is kind of funny, you know, when it's a Disney parody, that it's all the animals getting them ready and they have to, like, get a bald eagle in to just undress Homer. <laughs> and then they all look in horror as well. Yeah, the doe covers its child's eyes. Okay, that, that one is quite quite outlandish but it's still quite funny. There's also a really weird joke. I don't think it's a good part of it but it's where, and I don't know if you remember this, where Ned says oh I think the Lord's trying to tell me something. And for some reason Homer crosses his fingers and says gay 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 gay. Yeah, that's very much of its time isn't it? It really is. I don't know why they use that joke. I hate using this sincerely to say it was a different time but the early to mid 2000s definitely was that era of those kind of jokes. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Happy... <laughs> you good? <laughs> Happy Love Day, everyone! Yeah, I hope you keep that in. Of course I'm keeping this in. <laughs> Of course, going back to what we were saying before, I do love the sincere moments in this, especially as I said with the Marge and Homer scene with their relationship and everything, with the relationship between the townsfolk and things. There's just a lot of moments and I do love the Easter eggs in the background, like when they actually jump the gorge from mm-hmm. I think as far back as season it's either one or two. I want to say it's season two, but... I think it's a little bit later now. I think it might be three or four. Season two, episode eight. Oh, so it's the you were right. You were right. I'm sorry. Look at me. Now I'm pushing my glasses up going... <laughs> <laughs> at last, I win. <laughs> but yeah, I liked those kind of references. I did think it was kind of weird that they killed off Dr. Nick at one point and they just never explained that. Yeah, and to my knowledge, he doesn't appear again after the movie. Like, I don't think he appears again in, in the show. Where's Dr. Nick? Is he safe? Please tell me he's not dead. Bye, everybody. Yeah, I don't actually remember if he does. I think that that is his last appearance. Possibly, which is quite depressing, to be honest. That that's yeah. the way they killed him off. Just, yeah. There's so many characters like 
like that though like growing up not realizing about the death of phil hartman i didn't realize the point in which the reason didn't get any more troy mcclure or lionel hutz and like it didn't kind of cross my mind that we hadn't seen those characters in so long because it was syndicated so much i was seeing him in episodes all the time and so it like, hadn't even crossed my mind that i hadn't seen him in a, in a newer episode that and like why that might be yeah it's when you look it up and you're like i wonder what happened to that character and then you're like oh oh his wife yeah exactly yeah <laughs> oh, God. true crime month next everyone <laughs> but to summarize my thoughts on the film i do think that this film was relatively a step in the right direction i didn't feel as if it was the worst i've ever seen of the simpsons and at the time absolutely loved it i loved the emotional core as i said i loved the characterization of a lot of the characters looking back on it now though as an adult and as someone who now lives in 2023 as opposed to 2007 which is very depressing but i digress the fact is i do think for the most part the film does hold up and it is a neat time capsule but some of the references data you know like spider pig and so on and grand theft walrus yeah, I mean, the Grand Theft Walrus, as I've already pointed out, is, I just really hated that scene. But, I mean, Spider-Man is pretty timeless. I mean, that we're, we're always kind of getting Spider-Man content. So, I mean, the joke itself of just kind of the absurdism is very of its time. And I think that's what particularly dates those jokes. There's been references to Spider-Pig in later seasons of the show. I've been like, a, hey guys, remember the movie? I don't like that. I don't enjoy that they've done that. There are points in this movie which we didn't touch on, which are still funny. Like, you talked about the scene at the start where Bart is naked and locked to a pole. The line of and we referenced it earlier in the episode of is the worst day of my life and then homer says the worst day of your life so far i think that is a very funny line it is very much jerk ass homer but i think it is peak funny jerk ass homer and there's a scene towards the end when bart runs off with homer onto the bike and either rod or todd says like i wish homer was my father and uh, ned just quickly responds that i wish you didn't have the devil's curly hair clearly touching a nerve there which you don't often see with ned so i thought that was quite a funny uh, little insight into ned but my kind of overall thoughts on the movie as very similar to yours is that it's an okay movie it's not terrible i watched it a little while ago now it was i watched it earlier this year and then just kind of some research around it and kind of the build up to this and watching it it was better than i remembered it being because i'd kind of built up this negative impression of it over the years after not watching it for so long but there are a lot of points in the movie that make you chuckle that have those kind of genuine moments and they were able to achieve those with a lot of the returning writing team from the earliest golden year episodes they put a lot of effort into bringing back some really star writers which they weren't able to necessarily replicate the gold that was the earlier seasons but there is quality there and there is quality over what we would see in some of the seasons around it and after it it does have jokes that don't age very well it does have jokes that aren't very good just generally and it has themes that i don't think work particularly well but it is an okay adaptation it isn't the one that i would have liked to have seen but it works do you think that the creators should have made an attempt to make a Simpsons film earlier in the timeline, you know, like in the 90s. Do you think that would have been better for the series as a whole? It's tricky because you don't want that butterfly effect of other episodes that we love from that time not having the same level of quality because they focused on a movie instead. Because that is a very real thing that happens within TV shows and movie adaptations. Like I know if you look at something like going to the world of anime, like My Hero Academia, My Hero Academia often releases a movie that coincides 
with the television show. And when that movie is in production, the TV episodes suffer so much in terms of the quality of animation, the quality of writing, the pacing. It is so night and day different to seeing the quality of episodes that when there isn't a film being made concurrently and when there is one. Did someone say filler episode? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if you did it in the earlier seasons, if you did it in between six and seven, would you have gotten some of the great episodes from season six and seven that we did get? Season six is probably my favorite season. I'm trying to remember now what I said my favorite season was in the episode we did so long ago. I think it might have been nine, I said, actually. Yeah, but season six and seven both have so many iconic episodes that might have suffered and might not have been written as a result of the movie coming out at that time. So it might be fortunate that we received the film at the time we did and we still have those great episodes to look back on. That is an excellent point. Creating a film, and don't get me wrong, I'm no expert in the field of professional filmmaking, but I can only imagine that if you are running a show, and I know Matt Groening, I don't know if he had Futurama going on at the same time in 2007. Maybe, maybe not. Futurama season 6 came out in early 2008. At the end of the day, though, it's interesting to think that this came out during a time where I think people were getting fatigued with The Simpsons. Like I know especially I was getting fatigued. I watched all the old seasons. I read the comics as well and even the comics were getting very lacklustre. So I was kind of like, oh I don't know if I'm really a Simpsons fan anymore. And this is the thing that I will admit did reinvigorate my interest in The Simpsons, into Springfield and the wider world of this show but I agree with you I do think that looking at it from that perspective if it wasn't for the film coming out this time then it would have had a certain ripple effect of affecting our favourite episodes from season 7 season 8 even season 9 I feel as if if they didn't have the chance or the time to do certain episodes it would have been just more clip shows or lazy guest starrings and I know we haven't brought that up in this film but I mean there's not really many guest stars. There's like Green Day, there's Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah, there's a fair few. All I'll say is I'm glad we got the Simpsons film. And even though we do get that scene at the end where Maggie kind of teases and says sequel in the post credit scene, you know, before Marvel made it cool. Yeah, we never got a sequel. See at this stage, see unless they had a story to tell. And I think people have said that, that they don't really have a story to tell in a movie format but if they had the right story. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they didn't. It was very huge box office success so it, it was interesting that they didn't then follow that up. I just remember that Futurama had a bunch of movies itself uh, as well. So Futurama had movies coming out almost like twice a year around that time like there was the one in 2007, there was like two in 2008 and there was one in 2009 so they had a lot of movies happening around that time Yeah I remember those films they were okay as far as I remember but they were like straight to DVD I'm sure. Yeah they very much very in quality. I think they were like TV movies so I think I remember seeing them come out, a lot of them come out on TV before they saw them come out on DVD. Whereas the Simpsons movie was the one they were putting all their eggs into the basket for. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all I'll say is as a closing point, I'm glad we got the Simpsons film. It's not perfect, but then again the Simpsons isn't perfect and yet we still love it for the fractured dysfunctional show that it's become. It's become pretty much a reflection of the Simpsons themselves. I was going to say exactly that. But at the end of the day, that's why we love it. We love it for all its wacky hijinks, for all the jokes and everything and the 
the heart behind it. So if somehow you're a Simpsons fan or you're maybe just a younger fan listening to this in the future and you think, should I watch this film? You might as well. Go watch it if you've got Disney+. Plus. And I hope to God Disney Plus is still around in five to ten years because people listening to this will be like, what the hell's a Disney Plus? On that note, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on and discussing this film. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to chat about this movie and hopefully the listeners at home enjoyed what we had to say and if you have any opinions you want to share with us anything you think we missed out that we should have brought up or if you have any comments on what we've said then please do feel free to get in touch with us and you can reach out to us on our website podpage.com forward slash chatsunami we are also available on spotify itunes and all good podcast apps if you want to catch up with the rest of the simpsons month episodes we of course have also got a patreon page um, patreon.com forward slash chatsunami where you can get early access to episodes a week early and you can also get exclusive content there so please feel free to check that out i also want to give a huge shout out to our pandalorian patrons robotic battle toaster and sonia thank you so so much for supporting the channel if you'd like to hear the latest news as well coming from from us when episodes come out and just have general chit chat you can also find the channel on twitter at chat pod and you can find me at green shield 95 i don't tweet very much through that platform anymore but if you'd like you can follow me there as always thank you all so so much for listening stay safe stay awesome and most importantly please don't pollute your local lakes you're gonna get a dome on top of you